Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and look ahead to tomorrow's home game against Watford. We are back at Goodison and very much looking forward to being there. Um, there's only one place to start, and that obviously revolves around team selection and the headache, and not a good headache, uh, for Marco Silva um, in his pre-match press conference uh, this afternoon saying Andre Gomez remains a doubt and that Fabian Delph, despite a return to training this week, will not feature. Um, Preno, you are taking charge of the game for a one-off tomorrow. Michael Silva's taking the day off. Who are you playing in midfield? Um, we're not quite so desperate that I'm going to call on either of you two, but it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's a problem. No, it is. It's, it's a big problem. Um, I think he got it wrong at Palace last week. I said this previously in bringing Gabamin on. Rather than Tom Davis, Tom Davis looked sharper. Obviously, he's more attuned to you know Premier League pace of football and tempo, and he looked quite bright. Admittedly, only for the ten or fifteen minutes that he was on for. So, I suppose it's Hobson's choice, really. You know, so Tom Davis would have to start, and Gabamin. I mean, there aren't many other options, to be perfectly honest. Um, if you're going to stick with the same uh, the same structure, the same shape of team. Uh, there's nobody obvious I'm missing out, is there? I mean, no, 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 no. That, that's it, Not as far as think field selections go. Um, so now it's it's disappointing. And uh, we spoke about it you know, so earlier in the week. That a lot of it is bored of the fact that you know the people were brought in during the summer transfer window at the last minute. They've taken a bit of time to get up to speed. So you know they are possibly not fit enough to start games just yet. Gabamin would worry me, to be honest, I mean, because he looked like, you know, he needs a little bit longer, I think, to, uh, you know, get to the uh, the pace and the tempo of English football. But if you're going to do it, you need to do it in in match action. And so, you know, we hit the ground running. But now it's a concern, certainly. Um, Gabamin's had another week of training. Are you more confident that we'll see more of what he's what he's about for you know for having what 50 minutes at palace full week at finch farm do you think he's actually a bit more ready to start maybe or yeah i think so uh, i think that that palace one was you know it came as a shock to all of us so it certainly will have come as a shock to him that he was getting so much game time he might have thought he might have been in a similar situation to Keane, maybe getting the last 15 minutes of the match mm-hmm. if he was going to come on so that might have been all that he was preparing for so you know not just having another week in training uh, like getting his fitness back up, but you know, being able to gel with the rest of his teammates as well. You know, it's it's never easy to come from a foreign country. You know, c- come into the Premier League. Obviously, we know the physical rigors of the Premier League. Uh, maybe it's not as vast a gap compared to the Bundesliga or some other leagues in Europe. But you know, it's still absolutely a massive step up for you know such a young player. And then, of course, then to you know be able to you know make friends with your new teammates. You know, learn their games, learn 
learn how to link up, play with them properly, which is going to be so important for him in his role as well, because, you know, Marco Silva is going to be wanting him to pick the ball up off the centre-backs and then being able to spread the ball and put Everton back on the front foot. It's a vital role and, you know, it's it's going to be one that he might take a little bit of time to learn. So, yeah, I think another week in training is going to be absolutely crucial for him. And, you know, every, every, like there seems to be a, a couple of couple of concerns after last week and you know that I, I think that's only going to be understandable for any player who's had the amount of pre-season work that he's had so yeah I'd be, I'd be much more confident of seeing a performance closer to what we should be expecting of him. Interesting I got a phone call earlier this week from a, a guy based out in Germany uh, Archie for, forgive the pronunciation Rintutt Rint Rint yeah. and uh, he was asking largely about John Joe Kenny and Adam Ola-Luckman because of course they're both in Germany now uh, but got onto the conversation of Gabamin and um, he was very, very complimentary, very positive about yeah, the impact he had on the Bundesliga. Talked about how he ran games um, against l- lower Bundesliga opposition. You know, sound, I wouldn't describe him as a flat-track bully, but you know, certainly somebody that can you know, sort of get a grip on a game when the competition isn't absolutely intense and can run matches. And he also said, don't expect... Oh, sorry, don't be surprised if he throws in the occasional... Surprise! like a shot from the halfway line. And he talked about a a game for Mainz where he almost scored from where the halfway line hit the crossbar. So, you know, there's clearly a lot more about Gabamin that we don't know yet. Uh, You know, so, you know, it it could be a very, very pleasant surprise once he settles down and we see him, you know, sort of used to the style of English football. Well, exactly. Once you get more comfortable, like, in your surroundings, then that kind of flair is going to come out. Obviously, at the minute, I think he's just going to be in sort of damage limitation mode almost, just try and make as few mistakes as possible and just put in a sort of secure performance. I'd be shocked if he had a shot from the halfway line tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we just save that for later in the season. <laughs> in, 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 in sort of debating then um, how Marco will go, do we have to give any consideration to a change in formation? I think we're probably basing it on the assumption that he would play two holding midfielders, but given... Gabamin's obviously still in an adapt- adapt- adaptation phase. Tom Davis sees himself now as a an attacking midfielder, although can do a job. Do you think there's any any scope to to play three across the middle and drop Sigurdsson in there? I, I think so potentially, but I, th- I think if you were going to do that, I think it would depend on Alex Awobi's fitness mm. and readiness to start because I think he'd be he'd be the natural backup to Sigurdsson in that sort of in that sort of attack and midfield role. So if, if a Wobi was... Or you know, Bernard, could we do? Potentially, yeah. And then move Richarlison over to the left and Walcott play on the right. I mean, when Marco yeah. arrived, I mean, he told you that, you know, he did want to play a 4-3-3 formation. That was what you saw everything that ultimately. And, you know, that tends not to have happened, you know, so throughout his reign so far. Mm, so. He, he suggested very strongly in the summer that playing 4-3-3 would hinge on, on Delph. Yeah. But obviously Delph's not going to be fit, but I just wonder whether needs must and... And perhaps to offer another body in there, playing three across would be something he would consider. I mean, I imagine that would go man for man with Watford, would it, given their formation or mm. likely formation? Well, I mean, playing further back is something that we've seen Sigurdsson do a couple of times over the last few years. And I think he plays that position fairly well. Like, I don't think he's you know as good as, it, as he is you know, going forwards and you know making those late runs into the box that we're so used to seeing him doing. But I think he can absolutely do a job there. And I think... 
if if we look at it that way, it's only going to help Gabamon as well if he's going to be starting that game mm. and he's got two people alongside him rather than just the one. That's what I mean. Two people, you know, with the engines that Davis and Sigurdsson have got as well. Like that's only going to be a massive benefit to him. Yeah, I think I'd I would completely agree with that in this sense, yeah. Yeah, because Gilfie is so creative in the final third, I think that's why you just tend to think of him as being either at number 10 or playing off the left, which is what he's done uh, a lot of. But no, he can do you know, sort of mm. a, a deeper role quite effectively. And he does cover an awful lot of ground, something he's not given credit for generally. He is a very energetic, uh, you know, sort of very, very fit footballer. So, yeah, I wouldn't have any concerns at all with uh, playing him in a three. be a quite vast change for him, though, almost, because, like, especially in that Crystal Palace game, I think we saw a lot of what Sigurdsson does, you know, when he's paired with Calvert-Lewin up front. You see Calvert-Lewin is very energetic and he likes to run the channels and he's dropping back to win the ball and it almost leaves Sigurdsson as the, as the striker, almost. He's the one who's picking the ball up in the middle and mm. doing everything with it there. So be interesting to see what how Silva tries to nullify that, like almost then Calvert-Lewin would be told, mm. or, or Keane, if he was to start the game, they'd surely be told, you've got to stay in the middle now, you can't be running the channels too much because otherwise there's just going to be a gaping hole right through the middle that Everton just aren't going to have anybody right. inside the box. So I think it, it does raise it, its own little issue in that sense. Sod's law, isn't it? Just, you know, we're only second match of the season and one area of the uh, team already is suffering significant problems. One very unfortunate suspension, two injuries, one after two minutes of a pre-season game. Mm. It's, it's, it's just bad luck more than anything. Mm. But, you know, these things happen to you know most teams during the course of the season. It's how you handle it and how you adapt to it. That dictates often how you fare. Of course, and as you mentioned at the, at the top of the pod, and, and we can't rule rule him out because Marco certainly didn't rule him out. Was, was Gomez? What's our hunch? Do we think that you know Marco saying he's a doubt, but would probably be named in the squad list? Is is, is that <sighs> reading between the lines? Is that Marco saying I think he he'll be okay, but let's see? Or? I don't know. He's normally quite upfront, isn't he, Marco? He's not. He just doesn't play too many games. I, I was heartened last week that it appeared to be. Like a trauma injury, it appeared to be a kick, uh, and you know normally players can overcome that, you know, if needs be, you know, with a bit of a painkilling, you know, sort of injection or something. Uh, clearly, if it's a muscular problem, you can't do that. You know, you need to let it recover properly. So, if the situation is such that we need him that heavily, possibly he could be pressed into action. But you know, you're taking a gamble, then, aren't you? You know, with a footballer who is going to be very, very important to Everton this season. Disappointing, but mm. we have to just get on with it. Indeed, and the last one on this, um, as you mentioned before we came in, of course, reminded me the corresponding fixture last season was dominated by one man, and that was Dukure, who mm. ran the game from midfield. Mm. And of course, you would imagine he'll be playing tomorrow, mm. which only sort of heightens the concerns, I think it's fair to say, about that area of the pitch for us. I think absolutely. You know, it, no, I, don't, I don't think it was any surprise to anyone to see him linked with a move to Everton again across the summer. You know, he's... He's exact. He seems exactly the type of player to me that Marco Silva would love to have in, in his side. You know, he's just big, energetic. You know, as good defensively as he is going forwards. You know, I was talking before about Sigurdsson about making late runs into the box. I think to Kore, especially in that game at Goodison, he showed that he's absolutely capable of doing that, and not just that, he's capable of bringing the ball forward with it as well. You know, running thirty, forty yards, and then playing an incisive pass. So, yeah, he's gonna, he's going to cause. A lot of trouble, and you know he'll have been looking at Gabamon last week, and he'll think I can I can probably have a bit of a go at him. Mm. So I think Gabamon's going to have to be up 
right right up at the top of his game to try and stop Decore because we certainly didn't last season and you know we were quite lucky to come away with a point after that game. So hopefully if we can keep Decore quiet, you'd be confident everywhere else on the pitch that you know we're well matched to keep Watford quiet everywhere else as well. Yes, so uh, a big test for the new boy tomorrow. Um, a return to Goodison, as we mentioned, um, where the atmosphere towards the end, certainly in the second half of last season, was genuinely electric, Preno. Are you confident that we will have that level of atmosphere from the start? Or do you think to get the home fans up at, at that level, do we need to see one of the new attacking faces in the starting lineup? Yeah. To give everybody a buzz. I do I think so. I mean, it's 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 weird. It's, it's the first home game of the season, so the atmosphere is normally a little bit more charged. But I think where it was helped an awful lot last season is that there were so many bigger games in the second half of the season. The siren was introduced, obviously, for the derby match. I mean, the siren's great. You know, I can't wait to hear that again because just hearing so many players talk about it and they all talk about, you know, what an impression it makes on them in the tunnel. I mean, was it Richarlison, the latest this week, to say about the hairs on the back of his neck? So they could smell up. blood. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it does. It makes a difference. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, Jordan Henderson's face uh, when he stood mm. in the tunnel and you can see him looking around going, what the hell's going on here? And it does, it makes a difference. And, you know, Watford have heard Zed cars many times, but, you know, so have they heard it preceded by a siren? Probably not. So that will help. But no, last season, there were so many big games after the derby, obviously Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, the kind of games where you would expect to get um, a good atmosphere. Watford, with all due respect, probably wouldn't be a fixture where you'd expect it to be quite as charged. So, yeah, it probably will need a new face or two. I'd love to see a Wobie start him. You know, he's a guy I've read an awful lot about. And I have to say, I don't know a great deal about him. Um, you know, I saw his goal in the Europa League final. Started 34 games for Arsenal last season, which surprised me. I didn't realise mm. there was quite as many he, as that. He did over 50. Yeah. yeah, he played yeah. over 50, yeah. So, you know, clearly, um, you know, sort of quite, you know, a very, very promising uh, player. Whether Moise Keane will start, who knows? I mean, maybe a little you know, a week or two too soon to him. But I'd like to see at least one new face in addition to Gabamin mm. uh, to start, just to get the crowd excited and interested. And it will be to me, you know, so fits that bill. I'd... Um... Marco has uh, said after the game last weekend, you know, he's he won't be rushed into to giving the new lads full debut. But do you agree with Preno that maybe that's just what at, at sort of two o'clock people filtering into the ground before kick off? That's just what the atmosphere needs. Uh, I think it could be important. I think, uh, but I don't think it's going to badly affect the atmosphere if it doesn't happen. I think what gave me a lot of hope last season that we were going to be able to continue that strong atmosphere into this season was, you know, that lo- that last home game was against Burnley. So, you know, it, it, you know, with all due respect to Burnley, it's not exactly up to the level of Man United, you know, yeah. Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. And the atmosphere for that Burnley game, I still thought, was absolutely amazing. And that, I think it played a factor to Everton getting, you know, those two early goals in that game and, you know, wrapping up the f- three points quite quickly. And as Prano said, you know, opening game of the season, uh, at Goodison at least, it is all always that little bit more charged, and I don't think I don't think it's going to be any less affected by you know if if we see you know Keane and it will be on the bench. I think it'll definitely give fans you know a little boost. You know if you see Keane or a Wobie, they'll go, oh yeah, that'll be mm. this is really exciting now. But it's still really exciting to see uh, Everton back at Goodison, uh, especially with not having a pre-season game at Goodison mm. this year. I think. You know the the want to get back to Goodison is is really been building for fans over the summer. So yeah, I, th- I think the excitement's just going to boil over regardless. I, I just hope that if they are on the bench, as we sort of suspect they may be, 
that we don't get impatience early doors. We don't get, you know, 20 minutes in and groans when Calvert-Lewin can't, you know, hold the ball off. I just, you know, want the lads that start, whoever they may be, to be given a proper chance yeah. and, you know, the atmosphere to be positive as much as it possibly can be. Mm, seeing Gomez on that uh, team sheet would be, uh, would help. Be <laughs> help yeah. Just speaking on Keenan, and a lot's been said about, about him over the last sort of five, six, seven days. There's a lot of pressure on this kid, isn't there, Preno? Um, do you think we as a fan base will be patient and because it's not a it's not a, an impatience born out of anything negative it's an impatience because he's he feels like a, a truly exciting sign and we want to see him but it's it sounds as though they're going to keep him on the reins for a little bit it does yeah and understandably so i mean he's he's, he's a young lad he's 19 you know he's uh, he's making a huge step in his life and i thought it was quite telling was uh, marcel brands um, talking to his mum, you know, so I, was, uh, the press conference actually saying, we're going to look after your son, mm. don't worry. And, you know, clearly this is a very, very young man taken out of his comfort zone and, you know, a completely new culture and environment. And he's going to have to try and come to terms with it very, very quickly. Looking out the window there, welcome to the English summer. You know, he's going to have to, uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the forecast isn't too bad, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be a bit brighter than it is at the moment. We're recording this on Friday and it's lashing down. Um, so yeah, an awful lot for him to have to contend with. So yeah, Evertonians are going to have to be patient. Not a quality that you know, so that being you know described as having you know so often in the past. But he could be a very very you know exciting acquisition if we can give him a bit of time to grow. Mm. So yeah, I just don't expect too much too soon. But you know, the, the the coaching staff and the manager certainly won't do that. They will use him when they think he's ready. I mean, Marcus has proved that many, many times in the past. He's governed entirely on what he sees on the training pitch. And if he doesn't think somebody's ready, he just won't play. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. How do you think the man who ultimately he's probably looking to replace is feeling right now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Do you, yeah. do, do you think there would be any anxiety in Dominic? In knowing full well that, you know... There was always that threat in the summer that Everton were going to find a striker to bring in. He's now here. He'll be aware of the sentiment around, you know, the fan base towards towards Keane. How do you think he is feeling? And do you think he needs a big performance tomorrow almost to kind of as a reminder? Go, Hang on a minute. I've got the nine on my back. And towards the end of last season, I, you know, I was leading the line on merit. Mm. Yeah, I um... I'd like to think, well, I'd like to hope anyway that it's not anxiety that he's feeling. Uh, he might feel under pressure, and I think he should feel under pressure because at the end of the day, that was the point of getting yeah. another striker in. You know, uh, you know, Cenk Tosin, we all know like his drawbacks. Uh, Richarlison, as much as he says he prefers to play as a striker, I think we all know that his best, better position is out wide at the minute. So Calvert-Lewin, towards the end of last season, you know, as you say, he was completely in that team on merit, but I don't think he had a lot of competition for that position at the same time. Moyes Keane coming into the club, you know, a really exciting younger talent than Calvert-Lewin, you know, he, he absolutely should feel under pressure. And if he is given the start tomorrow, if Keane's, mm. you know, it's decided that he's not fit enough to start, I do think Calvert-Lewin needs a big sort of performance. And, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to judge whether he's going to be able to get the chances to score or not. But 
you, you kind of think that he needs a goal as well because at the end of the day, we all know that's what strikers get judged on and we all know that's what Calvert-Lewin's biggest drawback has been over the last couple of years. You know, nobody's been doubting his work rate or his you know ability to give defenders a real physical battle. It's just getting that ball in the back of the net and, you know, if he can do that in any way, shape or form uh, tomorrow and put in, you know, a half-decent performance, I think he makes a really good case for himself coming into the future. You know, when Keane is fit, that, you know, was, you have got a battle here. I was going to say, Calvert-Lewin pulling out a performance akin to the some, to, to the level he produced towards the end of last season actually helped Silver because it, it, it would dampen for a little bit the clamour for Keane to play and allow him to, well, allows the manager and the player to bed in a little bit longer. Yeah, it? totally. It could help everybody concerned. Um, it, it's funny, you know, because goal strikers are governed purely on goals. A, a striker can do very little, score a goal, you know, it's there on, on the score sheet. And, you know, you, you, you consider it a success almost. You know, so whereas Calvert-Lewin does so much, you know, around the pitch, uh, it's very, very productive. You know, he's energetic. He presses defenders. He holds the ball up really well. But if you're not scoring, you know, there's actually nothing there on the statistics sheet, mm-hmm. you know, to, to quantify that and to say that you're being really productive and really useful. And, so and he does. He, need, he needs to start scoring goals. And, but on that, Preno, is, is the difficulty for Calvert-Lewin where there's a, um, there's definitely an understanding amongst many supporters, look, this lad's developing as a striker. You know, we hope that side of his game comes. But the asterisk kind of is but we fully expect him to do the things we know he's already good at consistently well all the time. And I think yeah. perhaps Dominic's, if he reflects on the Palace game, would be didn't quite come to those levels on holding the ball or chasing, you know, running the channels, etc. I think that's past possibly why, you know, certainly in the ground, there was such a reaction when Keane came on. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, it, it, what's the phrase? It's the hope that kills you. You know, people thought that, you know, so Keane, great, what are we going to see now? And, you know, to be fair, not a great deal because, you know, the service wasn't there. There wasn't a great deal left in the game. They were down to 10 men for a start. So, yeah, yeah it didn't really help, you know, at all. Um, and we don't know, you know, what kind of qualities this lad's got. We've all seen the YouTube clips, you know, and he looks quick and he looks like, you know, he can finish. But, you know, we don't know until we see him uh, over a you know, prolonged period of time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, he will be feeling under pressure. But, you know, these are very unforgiving times. You know, it's, it's Premier League football and... You know, tough. Unfortunately, you've got to deliver. So you know, he does. He needs to start. You know, standing up to the plate and, and scoring goals, as well as showing all his qualities that we know he's got. Uh, he showed them very, very much towards the end of last season. You know, we didn't see it at Palace so much on Saturday, but equally, you could point that accusation yes, at lots of and course. lots of players. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a, it was it was an okay performance in terms of controlling possession and you know, controlling the flow of the game, but creatively. You know, after that, Sigurdsson early chance. You know, there weren't a great deal of opportunities. Kelman maybe, uh, but no, there weren't that many opportunities. So, you know, a number of players need to stand up to the plate mm. this weekend, not just Calvert Lewin. I'd sorry, you look like you wanted to say something. About- no, I'm just. I just think that Calvert Lewin needs to evolve under this sort of pressure. And I mean, this it's this kind of pressure that Silva's aiming for all over the pitch. And you know, I don't think we've got it in all areas of the pitch. But I would argue maybe Michael Keane, let's say his performances last season when Mina and Zuma were fit, were probably dictated by, if I don't play well here, then I've got two you know, world-class defenders behind that's, me who can step in. That's on the back of a very difficult first season. Exactly. So, you know, Calvert-Lewin starting off a bit of a better base. And I think as Preno alluded to there, the fact that Keane's an unknown sort of entity with a lot of Everton fans, that's, that's always going to be alluring to those people in the stands. You know, they, they're just going to say, oh, but he could, 
he could yeah. do this. He could be like whatever anyone yeah. wants him to be. Well, interestingly, Michael Ball said in his column when he was de- arguing with himself almost about <laughs> about playing Keane, he, he threw up the unknown quantity argument. D- does that carry weight? I don't know. A little bit. Um, you know, Watford will have done their homework. They'll have you know sort of gone through the, the videos of Everton's performance of last weekend, and they'll think they'll know what they're going to be up against. And so, yeah, you could throw a wild card into the mix and, you know, so it might, you know, catch them unawares a little. Um, but, you know, football is so scientific now. You know, it, it, again, they'll know a lot more about Moise Keane than we think they will. And so I don't think it makes that much of a difference, to be honest. Um, possibly, possibly nothing more than that. What about the idea of playing both Calvert-Lewin and Keane? Hmm. I'm basing that rather crassly on a a, a slight YouTube Footage where Mandzukic headed it down for Keane to score a goal. <laughs> it's just come to me again. Um, why not? Well, it clearly worked. You Th- know. That's probably in the last 10 minutes of a game where he's been thrown on. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. The, only, the only thing I'd be concerned about then is if we're playing them two and we're playing the three central midfielders. With, well, with, maybe we would play 4-2-3-1 yeah. at that point. I don't yeah. know. I'm just throwing it out there. Let's throw three at the back then and just make it all completely <laughs> mental. <laughs> Who'd be the third man at the back? <laughs> We've only got two centre-backs. Oh, yeah, that's another area where we're struggling as well. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, of course, yeah. whether Sadiq could play there. But yeah. no, um, okay, moving on to the final part of today's podcast. Marcel Brands has been speaking this week. Um, several several interesting lines come from it. Um, Preno Marcel has spoken about his desire to move Everton into a situation where they are like one of the, quote, top clubs and are only doing two to three pieces of business every season in, and then two or three pieces of business out, rather than six last summer, seven this summer, yeah, yeah. twenty players going out. You 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 like the sound of that in in, in, a, in a sort of a future <laughs> Everton? I, I like the sound of it. Ultimately, you know, for, for that to happen, you've got to have a very very successful base in place, whereby if you only bring in two or three players in, and they are top quality mm. players, yeah, absolutely thrilled. And if your players that you're losing aren't the really important players like, you know, Garner Gay for argument's sake mm. this summer. Uh, but for that to happen, I think you need to have that very, very successful structure in place yeah. straight away. And Emerson are still striving to achieve that. Uh, they're still trying to get rid of an awful lot of... Uh, dead wood for want of a better phrase which they haven't succeeded in doing yet um, they still got areas of the pitch that aren't quite you know so as they would like it to be I mean it, we've spoken many times about the glaring lack of uh, you know top quality central defensive cover you know clearly that's something else that needs looking at so yeah you know maybe this time next summer if Everson have a successful January transfer mm. window as well we could be looking to have that as a model but not at the moment. It's not quite ready to uh, to achieve that just yet. I mean, ideally, you want to see the team absolutely, you know, sort of in place. So you know the starting eleven, yeah. you know the cover for all the various positions, and you're just bringing in one absolute top class addition every summer. But the only team that's doing that is Manchester City. At the I was going to say, I, I <laughs> guess yeah, that was the team obviously that I thought about when Marcel <laughs> said that. I don't yeah. know, in terms of what did they bring? Rodri, the, the fullback from uh, from Port, was it Juventus, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And and maybe another one, but that yeah. that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, ideally you would want to get into that Man City position, but then how long has it took Man City to get mm. into this position? And it's took them with having, all, the, with, having the best manager in the world. And with, un, well, relatively uh, speaking, unlimited levels of cash. Exactly. You're suggesting they're riding rough, should they have a financial fair play? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but, Just suggesting they've got owners with deep pockets. I, I think those, you know, those calls of ideals from brands, it just shows you how long this project is that he's trying to, you know, invest in and buy into at Everton. Like, you know, he's he's already talked about this in the, you know, about 
16 months that he's been here so far, you know, he's already, he's always talked about, yeah, this is a long-term project, blah, 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 but I don't think it had really been put, in, put into context how long it's going to be. Like, the fact that he's saying, like, these kind of things, you know, I, I just want to be picking out two transfers a year. As you say, only Man City are really doing that these days. So it, it could be like a 10-year a sort of project. We'll probably be in Bramley more by the time this is really taking place. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm quite happy to see him saying stuff like that. You need to know that you've got absolute quality in the vast majority of positions and that you can only improve on that if top quality players become available. Best one in the world. That's not the case at Everton at the moment. There are an awful lot of positions where you can look through the team and think that could be improved upon, that could be improved upon. So, yeah, it's, it's an ideal and it's a wonderful ideal to aim for. But, you know, it's still some way off happening. would feel the summer that the club decided to do that would would be the tipping point almost, wouldn't it? Whether we were, right... Really yeah, we suddenly gonna, become top four material. We're, yeah, yeah, we're going mm, to have to yeah. take off here or, okay. But let's see, yeah, that's somewhere down the line. Um, also, uh, Marcel saying um, how important the fans were when he went to negotiate with Barcelona over Andre Gomez, <laughs> which was, you know... Is that pre-opening match of the season politics to try and I don't get think, the fans on side? Or? <laughs> I don't think Marcel does that. No. I think he's a, he's, a, he's the classic sort of Dutch... Straight talker, really. Yeah, I, I do wonder in what in what sort of like. It'd be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those sort of negotiations. We like, all? like yeah. has like that suggests to me that Marco's just gone in and said, "Well, Andre loves the fans. The fans love him. He's going to want to come here. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be happy to sit here and wait all summer, or, or yeah, you can that, you can get him cl- out of now." The, of the club, confidently opened the talks and gone. He wants to come here. Yeah, loves, yeah. So you can you can have all these other offers, but you you we're ultimately in pole position and we'll wait it out. Well, I think it quickly became the case, didn't it, that Barcelona were going to have to sell before the end of June, was it, mm. to be able to comply with their you know yearly yes. records and whatever. So you know Everton were in quite a uniquely very good position mm. in terms of Gomez. So all the all the all the brands really needed to do was make sure with Gomez that Everton was the place that he needed to come. And then he, he, he could have opened negotiations with Barcelona whenever he wanted, really. Like, it seems like all the cards are in his hands. So, yeah, I, you can argue that the fans have played a massive part in that. It underlines, doesn't it, how important supporters can be in helping uh, you know, foreign footballers, especially, to settle. Um, you know, so getting behind them, making them feel part of the, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, the Everton family, but it does feel like you mm. know, so a family club uh, an awful lot of times. And, you know, Gomez was made to feel welcome very, very quickly, even though we never really saw him play mm. uh, until November. Did that increase a sense of expectation? You know, I don't know. Maybe if it did, you know, fortunately, he justified that expectation with the quality of his performances. I always feel with so, Gomez, Prince, sorry to interrupt, but I always felt that, that people were... Co- Given the injuries, and there was obviously the, the, the unfounded rumours, oh, he's going to be out until the new year. Yeah. I've, I sense, speaking to some, not certainly not a, a you know, this is only a small sample, but as some fans, it started to be become a little bit sort of sceptical about him. And then, bang, Palace in October, like, oh, wow. Well, I didn't know quite what we were guessing. I mean, because again, he was quite a late acquisition and it was only on loan. Mm. And you just think, has that been brought in just to fill a hole? You know, should a hole, you know, arise? Didn't know a great deal about him. And so, yeah, it was. It was a very, very pleasant, positive surprise. Mm. You know, when we saw him play and we realised, you know, what a quality, you know, sort of acquisition he was. Uh, should have watched my YouTube videos a bit more, should <laughs> <Yeah. I? laughs> But no, it does, you know, sort of expectation levels, you know, sort of change all the time. I think you couldn't really, like... It was hard to ignore his time at Barcelona when he first came, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
we all know that it went a bit downhill at Barcelona, but he was fantastic at Benfica and Valencia. And uh, you know, after those after those first few weeks, I do remember people were saying, "Is he is he ever going to get a game?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank, thankfully, he did. And I mean, I don't think we can undersell how good he was in that Crystal Palace game, considering yeah. how long he'd been <laughs> out with that hamstring injury. And he was it was such a surprise to see him. Like he, he hadn't even made it to the bench before that oh, Palace game, yeah. and he was just straight into that starting lineup. Played. 70, 80 odd minutes, was it? Yeah. And the biggest surprise for me that Palace game was the turn of pace Tosin showed with uh, <laughs> after that touch. <laughs> I thought, that, where did that come from? With that from? fantastic <laughs> through ball from Michael Keane. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, settle for that again tomorrow. Indeed. indeed. Uh, the, last, the last sort of uh, bit on the brand's chat. Um, he spoke interestingly saying how confident he is that Marco Silva will improve the young players who've joined the club. Do you think we've seen that evidence last season of Marco improving players? Yeah, I think so. Um, and he's he's quite vociferous about uh, that being, you know, what he's there to do. You know, he's a coach. Uh, he loves to do his work on the training pitch, you know, bringing players on. Um, and, you know, maybe that is part of the, the, the transfer model, you know, buying players like Moise Keane and Alex Iwobi, uh, who are very young, you know, with the knowledge that they have great potential and they've got confidence in Marco Silva to improve them and turn them into even better footballers. Um, last season, just trying to think if there were any, you know, sort of absolutely glaring, you know, examples. That I mean, Lucas Dean hit the ground mm. running and uh, started producing, you know, sort of excellent performances from the word go. Um, Calvert Lewin progressed steadily during the course of the season. I wouldn't say there was any absolutely dramatic improvements. Uh, Tom Davis is the interesting one for me. Um, pre-season was playing in a completely different position, which suggested that you know they see a different role for him and. He's a player that clearly has ability and we don't know quite where he fits in at the moment You know, in the grand scheme of things. And it's going to be a very, very big season for him. Tomorrow's going to be a very, very big game for him mm. because you know, we totally expect him to play. And if, if he does uh, and he can have a, a significant impact, who knows, this could be a platform then uh, for him to finally make this, I won't say breakthrough season because you know, he's had a few of them already, but you know, the season where he actually starts to finally establish himself. So there's a lot on the line tomorrow. And winning, winning so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, OK, it was a frustrating opening day at Palace, but a point away in London is not an awful result. Uh, it starts to look bad, though, if you can't build on it and win you know, your first home game. So, yeah, very, very important day mm. ahead. I think in terms of young players, Richarlison was the big one for yeah. me. Like, obviously, we'd seen him have a season in the Premier League, but it was very well documented that he scored five goals quite quickly for Watford and then uh, trailed off and didn't yeah. bag any for the second half of the season. So it was interesting to see Richarlison come in. I think he performed pretty consistently throughout the whole campaign. He was easily one of Everton's best players, finished as joint top scorer, got called up to the Brazilian senior side, scored an absolutely crucial goal for them in the Copa America final. Like If that doesn't show massive progression, then I don't know what does. And I think what's interesting with Silva is that yes, he does obviously want to promote young players as much as possible, but he's not going to do it at the expense of you know reducing the quality in his starting 11. You know, if, if a young player isn't good enough to be starting, then they're not going to start. No. So he's got to try and balance that. And I think it's interesting that we're seeing, you know, the likes of Moise Keane come in, uh, the likes of Gabamon come in, who's only 23, uh, Alex Iwobi coming in, who's only 23. You know, these are players who definitely improved the quality of the squad, but they're still young players as well. So I think we're starting to move more into Marco Silva's mould. We're going to see, we're going to see how much he, you know, is going to be able to improve these young players. Well, of course, you know, for want of a better phrase, that is the project, isn't it, Goodson? Mm. Because ultimately, as much as Marco wanted and would want more experienced players to come in because they're ready made they cost money don't they and obviously yeah. that's 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 the project at the minute younger players prove them 
probably sell them on at some point and so forth and build and build. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I, I overlooked Richarlison purely because he seemed, he seems so established already. Yeah. You know, he's had that successful introduction at Watford and, you know, cost such a huge sum of money, you know, comparatively huge at the time. Uh, but now he's been an absolute breath of fresh air, been a great signing and um, is now one of the most important players in the squad. You know, if he's not on the team sheet, you know, you're disappointed, really disappointed because yeah. he makes such a big difference. Um, but yeah, you know, he's kicked on again even more uh, since his time at Watford. And yet that is part of the model, I think, you know, bring players in with great potential and to make them even better. Yeah. Indeed, to Richardson facing his old club tomorrow at Goodison. Uh, gents, this is the part of the podcast where I ask you for your prediction. <laughs> Um, well, as, as you both know, I'm doing this pools project at the moment, yes. uh, thepools.com, which is a, a betting website out there. And uh, I have to do predictions uh, for them, and I've gone for the home win. You'd be surprised to hear that. My <laughs> daughter's always telling me off because I'm always too negative, and I, I, I say realistic. Uh, but now I've gone 2 0. Um, whether I'm being a little bit over optimistic, thinking a clean sheet, I don't know. But, you know, defended well last week, so no mm. reason why not. Um, the lack of you know goal threat in the final third worried me a little bit last week, but I still think there'll be enough uh, to win 2-0. I mean, Watford, very, very disappointing opening day for them. Uh, Brighton might have caught them cold, might have had a new manager bounce, I don't mm. know. But no, no, I'm pretty confident. I, I think uh, the Toffees are going to win, going to score a couple of goals, and we're going to keep a clean sheet. Mm. Uh, I nearly agree. I think a 1-0. I yeah. think Watford are going to want to bounce back after yeah, yeah. that after that uh, disappointing opening day. But I think Everton should just have enough, you know, be able to keep a clean sheet at home. And I'd, I'd be back on Richarlison to get the only goal. You know, scored the opener in this fixture last season. Yeah. Uh, from an assist from Gomez, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, fan- I fancy him to score. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Preno. I think 2-0. Yeah, really? confident that we will uh, we will do the business and get up and running and uh, everybody will uh, have a pleasant Saturday <laughs> evening. So fingers crossed and uh, stay with us uh, Online for all the best analysis, news, opinion from the game and all the fallout in the days afterwards as well. And of course, we will reconvene early next week for another Royal Blue podcast. So thank you very much for listening, chaps. Thank you for your company. You have been listening to the Royal Blue podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.